Good morning, new community. We are glad you're with us. My name is Jeff Levine. I have been a part of new community for about five years. I'm currently in a cool small group with some great folks, and uh, I also help out with the third to fifth grade kids. Uh, We are glad you're here, and we are going to continue today with our series called Practicing the Presence. Lord God, we acknowledge your presence with us this morning, the breath of the Almighty that gives us life. May our lungs expand with praise and blessing every chance we get. You're the solid rock under our feet, the breathing room for our soul. We ask that you breathe your wisdom within our minds and hearts this morning. Allow us to see each spiritual discipline not as a performance, but as the daily practice of your presence in our ordinary lives. Breathe into us your love, your peace, your forgiveness, your beauty. And allow our exhale to be an outpouring of your love, your compassion, your mercy, and your presence toward others. With every breath we have, we worship you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Good morning, new community. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, which I think at this point we should have a name for it, but we don't. No, it's the Newcom Podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly creative. Just like most of our things, very creative. Uh, we are uh, in the series Practicing the Presence of God, and this is week number, I really have no clue at this point. (laughs) Not sure. We're giving talks on Tuesdays in rooms by ourselves. We're uh, trying to figure out what day of the week it is. But again, welcome. We are in practicing the presence of God. Before we uh, jump into our official topic, uh, both Russ and I wanted to um, maybe kind of in a fatherly way, just send out a couple of encouragements to our community. And uh, here is mine. Keep it up. Um, as Russ mentioned, nobody knows how long we've been doing this for and how many weeks we have been uh, staying home and staying safe. And frankly, we don't know how much longer we're going to be doing it. But uh, my encouragement to you is take a deep breath, give yourself some grace, and keep it up. 
I, uh, as many of you know, I am a psychology major, which um, although some think it's a soft science, it is absolutely a hard science and the best science. Uh, but one of the things I remember learning in, uh, in one of my intro classes was about a guy named Maslow, and he has this thing called the hierarchy of needs. And uh, essentially it's a triangle, and the bottom few rungs are your basic needs like uh, physiological needs, food, water, shelter, and then right above that is safety needs, and then above that is your psychological needs, which is belonging and uh, being able to love and be loved. And then there is esteem needs, which is the uh, prestige of feeling like you have accomplished something. And then the very top of the uh, triangle is self-actualization. And his whole deal is you can't uh, climb the triangle by skipping a certain rung. So you can't get to your belongingness and love needs before you have safety needs met, before you have your physiological needs met. And for many of us, we are in those bottom few categories. And um, that is the reality of the situation. And it is heartbreaking and it is brutal. Um, but to imagine yourself being your self-actualized self in this moment, I think might be unrealistic for a lot of people. And it is okay to take a deep breath <clears throat> and give yourself some, uh, some grace and recognize for some of us, we're trying to figure out um, how we're going to pay rent. And for others, we're uh, really concerned about safety and the safety of others. And uh, until we have those two things squarely met, you can't begin to think about how are you uh, as an incredible loving person to your neighbor, neighbor and how are you accepting love from your neighbor, let alone uh, your feelings of accomplishment during the day or uh, achieving your full potential as a human being. And we are in a period of time where I think some people just need to uh, give themselves some grace and be okay uh, in that you might not be accomplishing everything you want to accomplish and be okay that you might uh, not feel like you're living to your full potential because um, you might be in uh, some of the bottom area of that triangle and that is totally fine. And know that we as a staff and as an elder team are praying for you and uh, praying for this community and that there are small group leaders who are deeply caring and praying for uh, their people and their groups. And um, I am convinced if we continue to give ourselves some grace and take small steps forward, whatever those look like, that we will be on the other end of this thing together at some point. Uh, new community, I also want to echo, keep it up. But I want to also share with you a prayer that I've been praying uh, over the last week or two for us as a community. Uh, I want and hope that we would not see this season as a disruption of the church. It's a disruption of services, absolutely. It's a disruption of us gathering as a group of people, 100%. But we are just as much the church scattered as we are the church gathered. And I think there is an uh, opportunity for us here not to miss that we are the church just as much now as we are when we gather on a regular basis on Sunday. Because I think there's too much of the church right now that is so focused on when can we be back together? When can we have services? When can we worship? And we're looking at it just through the lens of services or just through the lens of a spiritual um, experience. And the truth is, and the whole reason we're doing this series is because you can have spiritual experiences 
any moment of the day, any day of the week, and in any location in which you are. And I would hate for us to miss out on an opportunity to be people of mission. We right now have more time to engage our neighbors than we've probably ever had. At the same time, our neighbors are more open to being engaged than they ever have been. Uh, I see more and more people as I go out for walks in the evening out kind of on their front porch, wanting to engage with other people, wanting to get into conversation. And we have an opportunity to do that in some really beautiful ways and to be neighborly. And uh, what better way to express that we actually follow Jesus than to love our neighbors as ourselves, the very thing we've been called to do. And so this is a unique opportunity for that. But I also think it's a unique opportunity for us to be people who sow shalom. Right now, we are in an anxious society, and we have an opportunity to be people of peace and a non-anxious presence among those that have fear. And again, when you have a completely different posture than the people around you, then suddenly they become curious. Why are you calm? What gives you peace in the midst of uncertainty? And that right there is an opportunity for sharing about life and about the source of life. And so these are creative, divine moments for us to live into. So don't see this just as a disruption of the church. It's just a disruption of services and gatherings. And those will come at some point, and we are deeply looking forward to that. But in the meantime, don't miss out on the opportunity to be the people of God scattered and to actually have a significant influence on our city in the weeks to come. So that's my prayer, our prayer as a staff and uh, our hope for our community. As we get into this week, the topic in practicing the presence of God is a focus on spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines for many people um, is quite varied in perspective and can seem a bit intimidating. Our hope is to not make it that as we engage in this subject this morning. There uh, is a graduation speech called This is Water by David Foster Wallace. And I routinely, probably once a year, will either read the graduation speech or listen to it. Or this week, I actually watched the video of uh, the graduation speech. I think it's 2006 Kenyon College. So if you're interested in looking at it, uh, it's a phenomenal speech. But one of the things he gets into is the importance of learning how to think. That we can't be the people uh, that we are called to be if we don't think appropriately. And in order to think appropriately, you have to have awareness. And awareness requires discipline. And the spiritual life, Thomas Merton says this, the spiritual life is first of all a life. It is not merely something to be known and studied. It is something to be lived. And I think spiritual disciplines create in us an opportunity to have awareness. But that awareness only comes through discipline. And it gives us the opportunity to live into that life. And so we want to take a few moments to talk about what spiritual disciplines are, why we should engage in spiritual disciplines, then talk a little bit about those and ways that we can uh, be effective on the journey. So, start with Willard. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 
Uh, the Lake Willard, is that right? It is. Uh, it's true. Years ago? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and this USC is, professor also taught at Biola University or college. And this is California. Uh, the stuff that you're going to mention here primarily from the book, The Celebration of Disciplines, mm-hmm. if I'm uh, remembering. And it's a phenomenal read if, yep. you, if you want to go a little bit deeper into this subject. Yep. Richard Foster also has a book on spiritual disciplines. We would encourage both of those books um, for you to look into. But spiritual disciplines, quite simply, spiritual disciplines are those personal and corporate disciplines that promote spiritual growth. They are habits of devotion. As followers of Christ, we're told throughout the scriptures to pursue holiness or to train ourselves to be godly. And spiritual disciplines are actually gifts of God for those pursuits. Dallas Willard, defining spiritual disciplines, says that it's any activity within our power that we engage in to enable us to do what we could not do by direct effort. Now, the word discipline comes from the root word, the same root word as disciple. So you could say that one of the intended purposes of discipline is to make disciples. Or in essence, if one is interested in being a disciple, then a study of discipline is a very significant matter. 1 Timothy 4, 7-8 says, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Uh, So he talks a little bit about disciplines of engagement versus disciplines of uh, abstinence. I'm not looking at your sheet here, but do you want to um, read those real quick? Yeah, so Willard distinguishes between those two categories. Um, I'll give you a couple quick examples of disciplines of abstinence. Obviously, those are things you're abstaining from. Uh, When we abstain from food, we call it fasting. When we abstain from Uh, noise and conversation. We call it silence. When we abstain from people, we call it solitude. Um, But those are some examples of abstinence. Uh, And then uh, disciplines of engagement would be um, things like study. So uh, time actually studying the word of God. Worship would be uh, a a discipline that can be practiced both individually and corporately. Uh, The Discipline of service, the discipline of prayer, fellowship, uh, confession is one that he uh, speaks about. And then one that I I think is really cool that um, he talks about is celebration and gratitude as well as a discipline, which uh, a week or two ago, we spoke a little bit more intentionally upon that, but is certainly a discipline that can be practiced. Now, disciplines of abstinence um, reveal the nature of the battle between our flesh and our spirit. So by abstaining from food or social interaction or sleep, um, what we're doing is exercising our spiritual muscles against kind of what would be described as our lower nature or our uh, false self. Um, And so disciplines of abstinence give us much needed experience and insight uh, and can teach lessons that really can't be learned any other way. Um, And so these habits begin to train us in a way to abstain from things that we uh, should not be involved in. But then disciplines of engagement give us uh, habits that allow us to truly engage in things like prayer and study and meditation. And these habits are especially powerful in combination with the disciplines of abstinence. So some would describe it as an outbreathing and an inbreathing of spiritual training. So there's certain things where 
um, pushing away while at the same time breathing in other things, which is often why people put prayer and fasting together, because fasting is kind of the out-breathing while prayer is the in-breathing. So I'm going to go a little off script here, Russ, and I'm going to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. But um, because I am... uh, some would say significantly younger than you. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, squarely in Generation X. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a millennial, but I am younger than you. Mm-hmm. Aren't disciplines kind of like an old church thing and really not for our time right now? Uh, that's a great question. I I would say that um, they're still probably described often that way. And I think in uh, more... Uh, probably more conservative church circles, there is um, a drum we beat for spiritual disciplines that causes some of uh, my generation, Kevin, to <laughs> kind of push away from sure. um, discipline. Because then we go, man, it, this this is uh, just legalism. And yeah, this is too just, rigid. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, my life is much more, is much different than that now. Uh, but I, I think they're profound for today. And our hope is that we can get into that a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, so when I think about that, because it, there is this like shift or this, um, I think this idea of um, it's too rigid and it's just me and Jesus. And I don't need to do all of these things because I'm in relationship with Jesus and that's enough. And um, I, I mean, I guess in theory, that's a really cool idea. But um if you have ever tried to be in relationship with any other human being, it actually takes significant discipline and it takes practices and it takes different ways uh, to actually engage that relationship. And then uh, certain things that you have to abstain in terms of uh, maintaining that relationship. And I think the exact same thing is true when we talk about our holy relationship with Jesus, that there are um, practices that need to be engaged to keep connection and things that if we abstain from can be incredibly helpful to continue uh, to practice that presence. Yeah. And part of the, part of the challenge I think with spiritual disciplines is um, if there's a pendulum, the pendulum either swings toward, Oh, the reason I'm becoming godly or becoming holy is because of all the effort I'm putting. Sure. So then I become the one who's actually growing my spiritual life because I've been disciplined, which is really the opposite. Foster talks about the idea. I think that um, we're just putting ourselves in a place in which God can do something in us by the spiritual discipline. But at the same time, I think the pendulum swings the other way to say, well, if it's really God that's doing everything in us, then I don't need to do anything. And I can just sit back and kind of allow God um, amorphously to yeah. work in me and change me. But it's interesting that Jerry Bridges in a book called The Discipline of Grace says there's not a single instance in the New Testament teaching on holiness where we're taught to depend on the Holy Spirit without a corresponding exercise of discipline on our part. Mm. So what that means is that it's it's a a group effort. It's a thing that's happening because God is moving in a particular way. And I'm simply putting myself in a place where he can work, but I actually have to do the work of putting myself in that place. Are you saying a healthy Christian life needs to find uh, balance in the middle point rather than being uh, in extreme or radicalized on one end? <laughs> I think that's pretty fair to say. Wow. Yes. Yeah. This has been profound. For I actually think that spans all generations. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Even my generation? Yeah, yeah. I think wow. so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So uh, we've got a couple of 
these aren't necessarily uh, points, but just kind of questions or things to uh, discuss and kind of uh, talk about regarding the disciplines. What's uh, what's our first one? Yeah, and I think the reason we want to go this direction, instead of talking for a long time about the spiritual disciplines or um, giving you a practical, like, here's how to fast yeah. or here's what you should do for prayer or... We want to talk more in general that whatever discipline you engage in, and it's true that we should all be disciplining ourselves in different ways because we're all uniquely different, um, that there should be certain things that we consider along the journey that might uh, help us to be more successful in practicing the presence of God in these Mm ways. Uh, So maybe our first conversation can be around the difference between trying versus training. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, so one of my first thoughts is, uh, kind of leads me back to first Corinthians nine. This is Paul talking and, uh, he says this in verse 24, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get the crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike and blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Um, Paul is talking about this difference between uh, training for the Christian life versus trying for the Christian life. And I think the, the significant difference is intentionality. When you try something... Uh, What we talked about before we started the podcast was you hear something on Sunday and it's uh, to be a Christian, you do X. Then you go home and on Monday you say, well, great, I'm going to do X today. And uh, you give your best effort to do X in a kind of unintentional, aimless manner to say, well, when this situation arises, I'm going to just try to be this person or try to do this thing. What tends to happen with that is uh, we find ourselves either forgetting about those things a day or two later or getting frustrated with them because they're challenging, um, or uh, we just realize we don't really like it, we don't enjoy it. And so uh, we kind of pass it off to the side and say, well, I'll wait till my pastor gives me a different thing to do that maybe I find more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, that is categorically different than training. Training is actually looking at an end goal, an end result, uh, or the process by which you get to a place and saying, I'm going to engage the process in an intentional way. And in order to do that, uh, I'm going to have to be uh, <clears throat> strategic in how I actually begin to practice or live these things out. So if you talk about fasting uh, as just an example, to hear that fasting might be good on Sunday, then Monday morning, wake up and say, well, I'm going to fast for 12 hours today may not be the best way to train yourself into this discipline. Um, Now, for some, maybe that's great and maybe that works. And those people uh, probably have already incredible discipline practices in their life. For many, you would need to say, if I I believe God is calling me into uh, this practice uh, or this spiritual um, discipline of abstinence to fast from food, then I'm going to begin to intentionally implement these things over the course of this week and the following week and the week after that and the month after that and so on and so forth. And it might start with, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to not eat after 8 PM and I'm just going to try that, or I'm going to eliminate snacks during the day. So you start with these kind of small attainable goals to begin to reshape your life in that way. And it's not just about effort, right? It's always about 
the Holy Spirit coming in and moving within you. But then there is that corresponding uh, piece to it that, uh, that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think so. As you were talking, a couple of things came to mind. One being that you're actually describing um, being more focused on the process than the outcome. Mm -hmm. So it's the small incremental steps that I'm taking that are moving me to a new orientation or a new way of being. Uh, but also that gives us the ability to celebrate the little things. Yeah. And I think what happens and this is you were describing as we get frustrated is you set out to do. I'm going to read my Bible every day for now until 365 eternity. day right. Bible. <laughs> right. I'm doing it. Yeah. And you're a week or two in and you're already frustrated and then you, you get to up. numbers and you give up <laughs> yeah, totally. like we all have. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, or Leviticus. Yeah. And the, but if you can celebrate the small little steps this week, I read my Bible this much or this week I engaged in silence in these mm-hmm. ways, or I practiced generosity in these ways. Um, now you're celebrating the small incremental victories and moving forward in the process more than the outcome. Yeah. I think the other thing that stood out as you were talking is how often we use um, trying as an excuse yeah. to not train. Yeah. So I will often hear my kids or other athletes say things like, uh, yeah, this tomorrow I'll, I'll try to get my room cleaned up. And I go, no, 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 no. If it's try to get your room cleaned up, you're going to find a hundred reasons not to clean totally. your room. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm going to try to work on my ball skills or whatever it is that I need for my particular sport. Yeah. And again, if you just say you're trying, there's a hundred reasons to not do it. Yeah. And so training is an intentionality, as you described, that says I'm going to engage in this. And it might not be at the level that I dream it could be. Yeah. But I'm slowly, incrementally growing in godliness and effort uh, to become who Christ has called me to be. Yeah, that's good. Um, When we talk about the differences um, of generations as it relates to um, spirituality and faith, I think I grew up in a way in which when spiritual disciplines were talked about, they were only talked about as kind of traditional disciplines. Yeah. So you had a small range of application. You could either fast, you could read your Bible, you could pray. And you had to read your Bible before everybody was awake, right? That yeah, was I mean, yes. in a chair with a coffee, even <laughs> yeah. if you don't like coffee. 5 a.m. or <laughs> right. bust. Yeah. Right. Um, and there are very traditional ways of looking yep. at it. And even traditional ways of praying, like, I was just explaining this to someone the other day that how often I have to work myself out of prayer as being only a thing where you dial and then hang up. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, it's got to start with that and it's got to end with in Jesus name. Amen. And if it's not, then you didn't like properly exercise the discipline of prayer. Um, So when you think about spiritual disciplines uh, and you think about the more traditional way of looking at it, what would it look like? that maybe is less traditional, more different, or different expressions of the same yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, so this, again, goes back to what we mentioned earlier. I, I think there is um, a good balance that can be struck and should be struck here. So there are traditional disciplines for a reason, because these are um, have been helpful for the church global for centuries, right? So studying the scripture is a discipline um, that I think is important and is something that should be implemented into people's life. Does it need to look like 5 a.m. in a chair with a coffee? 
No. And I, I, I very much fell into that trap that if I didn't do my discipline of study early in the morning and I missed it for a day, then I carried this load of guilt of, oh my gosh, uh, I can't even believe Jesus would love a person like me that wasn't able to get up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if I missed that time, uh, whatever I felt like that time was, then I just passed off for the rest of the day okay, as totally. well. I screwed it up free this pass. morning. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's no reason to do it at one o'clock now that I have an hour of free time, you know? Right. <clears throat> um, and so I, I, I think there is like this needle to be thread somewhere of uh, understanding that these are tried and true practices for uh, thousands and millions and billions of Christians that have come before us. Um, but they don't have to look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be practiced exactly right. the same. Um, I also, one of the reasons why I love, uh, the Willard book is because he puts in that, that practice, uh, of celebration. I wouldn't say that that is necessarily one that's, you know, that like in the hierarchy of these are the disciplines you think of prayer, fasting, study as kind of like your, and maybe solitude as your like, uh, top disciplines to practice. Sure. Celebration is not one that I grew up hearing about, but what I loved about it is he puts that in there as uh, a very practical and I think an incredibly powerful way um, to practice a discipline. Another one that, um, this is, you know, I don't think people really talk about this much, um, would be the practice of silence. And I think for me, especially in this time, um, right now where I have been at home a lot more, uh, my kids have been at home a lot more. I have realized how important silence is to my life uh, and have realized how I built a schedule previous to this last couple of months where there was a lot of silence built in to my day. And whether it was driving to and from places without the radio on or sitting in an office with nobody else and no music on that I had lived into and built this practice of silence around my life, because that is one of the places where I feel the presence of God. And that is one of the places where, um, where I'm, close and, uh, and feel connected. Uh, now says this about silence. <clears throat> it is a good discipline to wonder in each new situation, if people wouldn't better be served by our silence than our words. What is profound about that to me is that, um, we are in a unique time period in history. And I'm not just talking about Corona times. I'm talking about kind of generationally where we're at in 2020, where, um, I think there is an incessant need to be heard by other people. And um, whether you look to media or you look to social uh, media or any of the different types of uh, avenues that we use, it is people shouting and yelling and trying to get their point across as much as is humanly possible. And uh, it is creating an incredible amount of noise and it is eliminating the ability for God to be present in our lives. As long as we are talking, as long as we are trying to get our opinions, our thoughts, uh, our our own feelings out there for everybody, I think you uh, eliminate space, uh, that silence space in your life for God to move and for God to show up. So that would be a a, maybe a non-traditional practice, although it it certainly is in these books. But that's one that um, I don't think people think of very often as one that uh, in my life has become incredibly important and one that I am continuing to try to develop. Uh, When you mentioned that, it made me think that, Kev, what what do you do if you're just not really good at it? Yeah. So I maybe don't like silence. Yeah. Maybe I... Uh, find that when I'm in spaces of silence, I get 
nervous or anxious. And certainly there's some things that need to be examined if that's yeah. true. Um, or my mind just runs to all these places and I can't get it to stop when I'm silent. So I got to have noise and I got to put. So how do we lean into that if it's not something we're really good at? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, again, this is where balance comes up. For some people, some of these things, uh, they are not going to be the best practices to implement in order to be, uh, to practice the presence or to be connected to God. So, um, study may not be the place where you spend an hour a, a day as a discipline. Maybe, uh, the discipline of prayer or maybe the discipline of silence is a discipline that you connect more, uh, at a, like a soul level or you connect with more at a soul level where you can practice that presence. Uh, I think that's totally reasonable. Yeah. We don't all need to be fantastic at all of these things. No. Certainly, I think you should be willing to engage in them at different levels. And so in that moment, if you're in a, uh, a moment of silence, which I think is good for everybody to be in periods of silence, yep. and you start to feel that anxiousness, I think that's where you invite the spirit into it. And you have to be real conscious to say, um, God, I'm in a period right now, five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, uh, and I'm starting to feel anxiety within my spirit. Help me to breathe through this. Mm -hmm. Help me to practice this. Mm -hmm. Help me to live into this. Um, if you rely just on your own effort, just on your own will, oftentimes um, you'll find that you figure out any other distraction possible to fill that time or that mm -hmm. space. If you invite the spirit into it, um, I think sometimes, uh, I hope sometimes the spirit shows up and actually allows you to be present in that moment. Again, it doesn't mean that everybody needs to practice hours of silence a day right. and study and prayer and fasting, um, but to engage in these things and figure out how are you wired, what is your DNA, what are the ways that you've practiced that presence, I think is really important. Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying again is balance. I think so. It, yeah, it might yeah. be. Um, so if study is not your thing, then maybe you do need to go out for a walk. Yeah. Go into nature. Just listen speak with God. And that might be the way that you connect. And that's much more profound than sitting there and trying to yeah. study and figure it out. Uh, or maybe as you read, instead of just reading, 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 and then doing the whole, uh, what did I interpret and what did I get out of it? Yeah. And how am I supposed to apply it? And what do I do to implement it in my life? Maybe when the scriptures call us to meditation, just this idea of continuing to think on that passage throughout the day, maybe that's a more appropriate means for yeah. you. But at the same time, and this is the balance part, uh, we need to practice what we're not good at. Yeah. In order to actually grow into some spaces in our life that uh, don't come easy and that bring about a space in which God can work, we got to practice what we're not very good at. Dallas Willard says it this way, people who think that they are spiritually superior because they make a practice of a discipline such as fasting are entirely missing the point. Hmm. The need for extensive practice of a given discipline is an indication of our weakness, not our strength. As a rule of thumb, if it is easy for us to engage in a certain discipline, we probably don't need to practice it. The disciplines we need to practice are precisely the ones we are not good at and hence do not enjoy. Yeah. And again, don't just hear that and then say, I am going to just practice what I absolutely despise yeah. over the next two weeks <laughs> yeah. 
to try in some way work my way into doing a seven day juice fast yes. starting right. tomorrow. Not going to work. And yeah. reading for two hours every morning. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, again, it's balance. So practice what you're not good at because that's part of what it means to put ourselves into spaces of weakness and allow God to be the strength. But at the same time, find ways to practice what actually helps you to connect with God. I can remember, uh, and if I shared this story recently, then Christian and you remember, you can cut it out of the podcast, but I can remember uh, being, before I was hired here, I was on staff at a different church, which will remain nameless. And uh, one of the things that was a weekly staff meeting um, check-in point of discussion was a, uh, how long have you been studying this week and what are you studying? What are you learning? And the number two guy who was uh, one of the original church planners, but not our, uh, not the main executive teaching pastor, but was, you know, he was number two and everybody knew it. <clears throat> a very lovable, uh, really, really solid dude. Kind of got a- around to him and all of the younger guys, uh, because certainly there would only be men on this uh, pastoral staff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it got all the way back around to him and all the younger guys had kind of done their puffing up of their chest of I've been studying this and I'm really, you know, being uh, profoundly moved by the book of Kings right now in this way and so on and so forth. It got to him and he said, oh, I actually didn't read the Bible this week uh, because I am just trying to implement what I've read for the last 30 years into my life. So I'm not going to read anything more until I can do what I already know I'm supposed to be able to do. <laughs> and it was this uh, total tongue-in-cheek way of uh, kind of stopping our ongoing conversation of how much more we're studying and learning and bringing us back to this idea of it's a life to be lived. And uh, yes. if you are just implementing disciplines in your life to say that you're implementing disciplines in your life and it actually is not transforming you, it is not um, uh, creating more Christ-likeness in you, then it's all for nothing. Mm-hmm. I coming like jumping off of that. I think it reminds me of this idea of what I would call seasons of discipline. So what this gentleman is describing is that um, maybe for him, right now, just reading the text is not the most conducive for him experiencing and living out his relationship with God. But there may be a different practice that's more helpful for him during this season. I have found that in my religious background, but also within um, church and Christianity, there is this, um, I like to call it uh, keeping balls juggling or plates spinning, where what you do is you're told from a real young age, start reading the Bible. And so you start juggling one ball and then someone tells you, you need to add prayer to your life. And so now you're juggling two. And then they say, Well, you should always tether prayer with fasting. So now you're juggling three. And then all of a sudden there's a guest speaker that comes into the church and talks about the uh, discipline of silence and solitude. And then now you try adding that to your routine. And then suddenly there's 15 or so disciplines that you're trying to juggle. And invariably you're dropping multiple balls all at the same time, growing in frustration, maybe guilt, maybe shame, depending on your religious background. And none of those things are actually helping us to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus. Um, so really, he's describing that maybe a season of intake for him is less necessary in the moment than an outpouring. So again, yeah. it's this breathing in and breathing out. And so 
If you think about disciplines that way, instead of trying to practice six or seven simultaneously, think about them as seasons. In the summer or late spring, we plant a garden, but we don't plant that in winter. It's not the right season for it. So if we can figure out what is the season that we're living in presently and what does this season require of me to most engage God and most live out being a follower of him, then that's probably the discipline you should practice instead of juggling multiple ones. How do you balance that? Well, yeah, I I mean, we, Russ and I, uh, if you don't know this, are um, great friends and we spend a lot of time doing podcasts and stuff, but also a lot of time just checking in with each other and how are we doing. And I know that we have discussed this in the past, um, but I'm in a season right now where I have struggled to study um, in ways to understand and know and love God. Uh, I currently, my study practice or discipline looks like, how can this be used for a sermon or mm-hmm. for a podcast? Or uh, how can I take this information and now disseminate it to other people? Right. Um, and that's a, that's a sign of uh, potential immaturity in my life. Also, I think a function of the job that I am in. Um, but I don't think the scripture was intended just to be, uh, to be the jumping off point for us to produce more things. Right. Um, so to read only in a way of I'm finding a way to produce something out of this does not actually help me to practice the presence of God all that much. So I'm in a season right now where study is, uh, I'm kind of struggling with that. I'm trying to uh, re-implement it, re-engage it in a new way. Um, Actually, this whole time has been a little bit helpful for that because we are not actively giving sermons in the same way. And it's a lot more dialogue. It's a lot more um, interview style. And so it's given me a little bit of a reprieve almost like a new season to come Mm -hmm. into this and say, man, this is beginning to open up in a new way. And I'm actually feeling the presence as I am reading, not just studying to then disseminate knowledge. Um, But like you said, there are seasons. So there are other things right now. Silence being the one that I mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. as something of, man, that is a practice that has become critically important for me and uh, a a discipline that has become um, a, a place of vibrancy in my faith. And I need to figure those things out and continue to hold on to those things pretty tightly. Yeah. And I think part of holding on to one thing tightly is to release another thing. Balance. There it is again. <laughs> Back to it. So it, you, you've got to make sure that for some reason, guilt or shame um, and you trying to hold on to that thing for performance or for what, whatever it is that's driving you to think you need to please God in those ways if we can let go of that, yeah, it frees us to be in those yeah. spaces um, that I think are real important. Which I, I think even saying that <clears throat> reminds me of how thankful I am for this community specifically. Um, if I transplanted what I just said into my I was church say, context yeah, <clears throat> 10, 15 years you ago don't when I was that. there, um, that would have been a, uh, you're going in to talk to the head executive pastor <laughs> Right. In the two-hour window on Friday that he had for pastoral <laughs> visits, because uh, outside of that, you couldn't meet no, with him. No. <clears throat> because that would be a significant red flag. Uh, a, why are you not studying? B, how dare you show vulnerability to your uh, your flock that right. you are shepherding? Right. 
totally different in new community. And frank, the, frankly, the reason why we are here is because this community is different in that way. And yeah. it's, uh, there's more honesty. There's more transparency to say, yeah, I don't know this. I struggle with this one. This has been uh, challenging for me. This has been tough, but uh, I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to move. And only until you acknowledge those things, only until you uh, are self-aware enough to say, oh, yeah, this is a uh, this is a short sightedness of me, uh, of my uh, practice right now. Can you begin to make some inroads in that? Yeah, uh, I think that transparency and vulnerability, um, if we lean into that, well, can one strengthen community, but two can help us in this area of spiritual disciplines. I mean, I've said many times before, I've had to work really hard to unlearn prayer. Hmm. Um, prayer for me was if you didn't do it for a set period of time, for a set length, a uh, set routine, then you really weren't prayerful. And I, I remember um, there being times where people are like, hey, how are your prayer life going? And me going, oh, I think it's horrible, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> and not wanting to admit that. And yet being able to sit with um, my spiritual director and to really talk through what is prayer and what does that look like has given me this newfound freedom to be able to say, man, I'm praying a lot, actually. Yeah. It just doesn't look the same way that I think it did when I was 13 or 18 yeah. or 25. It looks quite different and yet is more meaningful and more yeah. profound. And so I think that's part of, again, different seasons, finding balance um, and being transparent and open with people so that they can help you uh, think through what it really means to connect with God. Yeah. Another idea that I wanted to kind of bring up and have a chat about for a moment is spiritual disciplines can bring incredible life to your faith. But if they're approached incorrectly, can actually lead to death. Yeah. And what I mean by that is um, legalism or um, super superiority religious thinking uh, has a nasty way of creeping in and turning these grace filled practices into not the means to the end, but into the ends themselves. Yeah. Meaning that if I perform uh, or if I complete spiritual disciplines, then I have found favor with God or I have reached the pinnacle of my faith, and we've got to make sure we avoid uh, that danger. So what are some ways that you think we could avoid that idea of legalism or bringing yeah. death to the spiritual disciplines? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think this um, maybe could be distilled down to this idea of comparison to a degree. Uh -huh. uh, and this is where I think maybe the pendulum has swung to a degree or why the pendulum uh, has swung is this um, looking at the generation or the people uh, before you and recognizing I am not measuring up to the standard that they have set, uh, whether that's imposed or just artificially seen. In yeah. a, and frankly, uh, they aren't either, but they're just not telling us <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, but you'd, uh, I don't spend the hour uh, of study every morning because I'm still getting up at 11 a.m. and I've missed my early morning opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't uh, do an hour of formulaic intercessory prayer because I can't uh, stay engaged for an hour. And so you look at that and you say, well, I don't compare to them. Therefore, I don't need disciplines whatsoever. Um, I, I think for me, it's um, recognizing again, 
who you are, how you're hardwired, how God has created you to be, and then beginning to train well and intentionally in those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And being willing to be creative and find ways where uh, maybe your study doesn't need to look like uh, the hour of reading uh, a specific book verse for verse, but it might be an hour of um, meditating on one verse. Yeah. Uh, or it might be 10 minutes of meditating or five minutes of meditating mm-hmm. on one verse and then journaling about that and then thinking, how do I take what I am reading here and uh, and uh, take that to transform my life and my actions moving forward? Fasting, it may not be food that you give up, but uh, it might be fasting from purchasing things. It might be fasting from social media. It might be fasting from um, whatever. It might be fasting from a toxic relationship. I mean, those are, I think those are very much disciplines that help to transform us, but we have to be willing to, again, kind of open our hands and uh, and maybe look at what is... um, what is this discipline trying to achieve in my inner self? And now how can I find ways to implement that in my life? Mm-hmm. Here's maybe a couple other thoughts in addition to that in terms of avoiding legalism. Uh, I think one, remember that spiritual disciplines are not a barometer of spirituality. That You can't point to that and go, therefore, I am spiritual. Yeah. You could say I have some decent practices, but that does not equate to spirituality and following God in obedience, um, all of that. Second, I think, uh, remember that spiritual disciplines are not a way of earning favor with God. Much of um, religious upbringing is that if you do um, item A, then the result is that God will favor you, and that favor will result in health or money or other types of blessings in life. Um, but you doing spiritual disciplines actually is not gaining favor from the almighty in any way. Right. Um, I think another maybe reminder is to listen to Jesus, maybe even ask him, where have you begun to pursue disciplines rather than him? Hmm. It's the same thing. I think we have to ask about our Bible. Where have we begun to pursue the Bible or truth or answers rather than Christ? The whole point of the Bible is it is the story of Yahweh. Yeah. And the point is to to find Yahweh in it, not to find answers. Yeah. And then um, the last idea is that uh, change is God's work. It's not yours. So spiritual disciplines um, in and of themselves can really do nothing. They only get us into a place where something can be done. And that's something that's being done is God changing me. Yeah. And so if we can remember a few of those ideas, I think that can be helpful for us as well. Yeah. Other thoughts on spiritual disciplines before we wrap up the podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> maybe this goes without saying, but um, some of the least, uh, I'll say this with as little judgment in my heart as possible, some of the least Christian people I know have a robust disciplines life. Um, and so just to kind of uh, take a step further from what you're discussing there, that's um, the practices have to transform and the practices are not the end. Um, and uh, they are cl- only the means by which we become more like Christ. And if they're anything else, then um, why even do them? Why mm-hmm. even pursue them? And so I think that's a good reminder and, and can be a freeing reminder in a lot of ways of um, why why would somebody begin to implement these things into their life if they never have in the first place? Yeah. And to kind of balance yeah. that 
some of the people that I've met that are most in love with Jesus yep. and live the most faithful and obedient lives are the ones that consistently engage in the disciplines yeah. and finding ones that work for them. Totally. Yeah. Finding ones that give them life yeah. and they don't do it for the legalism of it. They do it because it's a way of connecting with their creator and it's profound yeah. for them. And so again, that brings us full circle to well, balance. I, I think what you'll notice about those people is they tend to not talk about them. <laughs> totally. <laughs> they tend to not talk about how they are engaged yeah. for hours a day in the disciplines yeah. uh, because it's, they don't need to. Because uh, sometimes it's better not to fill the world with uh, your words and the air with your words, but just be silent. Now and yeah, love it. Yeah. Yeah. The most generous people are the ones that you don't know are yep. being generous. The most grace filled. Uh, same same thing. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us full circle to say it's balance, but also the spiritual life is, first of all, a life. It's not merely something to be known and studied or just a discipline. It is to be lived. Yeah. And our hope for you, new community, and for us as a collective community is that we would live the way of Jesus, that we would walk into this season with deeper faith and more of a commitment to know and follow him. And may these spiritual disciplines and your engagement in them this week um, be one that helps you move ever so closer to Christ. Yeah. We love you, new community. Have a great week. New community, we're going to do something a little different today, but no less meaningful via our podcast. As a community, whether in person or virtually, we believe the sacrament of communion is an important practice for us as a community and as individuals. So take a minute, set up uh, your juice or wine, your bread or wafer, whatever you have, and let us begin with a reading from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, friends, take the bread and eat. And remember, this is Christ's body broken for you. Now, take the cup and drink. This is Christ's blood spilt for you. Let us pray. Lord, we pause and remember your work on the cross. We acknowledge your atoning death and celebrate your resurrected life. We eat the bread, we drink of the cup in remembrance of you, our Lord, our King. We are thankful for today. We are thankful that we get to participate in something as meaningful as this. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Join me in a reflective prayer. Lord God, as we consider what the practice of discipline means in our life, we ask for the wisdom of your Spirit. 
help us to identify and practice not just the disciplines that we're naturally drawn to, but rather to cultivate those that will draw us closer to you and bring us deeper into an awareness of your presence. In these next few moments, we create space to consider the disciplines of abstinence. Where do we need to create margin, Lord? Where do we need to exhale in our life? What can we let go of or abstain from? As we inhale, we ask for specific ways we can engage to find more presence, more joy, and more connection. What can we intake and allow to rest deep within our minds and hearts? What will you have us fix our eyes on? In all of this, we pray for balance in our lives. Help us to attune to your spirit, embracing the work you're already doing around us, while recognizing our own thought and action as an integral part of your movement in our life. Amen. New community, join me for a benediction. The benediction we are praying this morning was one that we prayed over the community earlier during this series. We're going to pray over this benediction once a month for the remainder of our time apart. We want to use this benediction as a sacred rhythm. New community, may we know that we are loved by God and may we find creative ways to love others as Christ has loved us. May we truly know this week that we are connected in community with all who follow the way of Jesus. May God's love embrace us, Jesus' words embolden us, and the Holy Spirit's presence enliven us today and always. We pray this in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.